0: By the way, Rob, uh, one little thing I should note. I should bring something up here before we get started into the main stuff here. Uh, And I just put this up on Twitter just before we started. But this morning, this morning, uh, the YouTube channel crossed a quarter of a million subscribers. We crossed 250,000 subscribers today. Wow,
1: congratulations. It's all because of me, you know.
0: Mostly. I I think that goes without saying. Um, But what's really interesting about that is the fact that We don't ask people to subscribe to the channel, which is awesome when you do. So thank you, everybody. But we never bring it up.
1: Subscribe and like.
0: We should probably. I should probably mention that every show. But also, you know, about seventy-five thousand of that growth came during the pandemic through a lot of months where there were no movies and anything like that. And I'll be honest with you guys and Rob. You know, I've you and I had conversations when we were right in the heart of the pandemic. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know how the how the channel survives, but you guys kept everything going so thank you so much for that and thank you to all of you
1: also we there was a time was was it last summer summer of 2020 where you took like three weeks off
0: yeah I took three or four weeks I shut the channel down for three or four weeks because there was nothing to talk about no uh and then we brought it back and Thanks to you guys. We're still here. So a big thank you to all of you guys uh, for supporting the channel and getting us to that mark. So thank you so much for that. Uh, By the way, a little bit of housekeeping, of course. If you can't get your daily fix of the John Campion Show because you can't be in front of a screen... Good news, there is an audio-only version of the show that we put up in podcast form, and we simply call it the John Campion Show Podcast. It is available on your favorite podcasting app of choice. Just go onto your favorite podcasting app, search for the John Campion Show Podcast, and subscribe to it today, so it will be there when you need it. Mm. Okay, guys. With that down, let's get into an off-the-top, which is this. Rob, I've already kind of mentioned that uh, I really like Venom, Let There Be Carnage. I mean, do I, do I think it's as good as James Gunn's Suicide Squad? No. Do I think it's as good as Shang-Chi? No. But I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. And there are a couple of really big, significant things in it, of course. And it's, it's just a good time. I had a really good time. Won't be for everybody, but I had a really good time with it. But when you and I have been talking, Rob, um, about how well will this movie do, you know, I think I initially said maybe about fifty, and then I think I said maybe fifty to sixty once I saw other projections. Sure, but Rob, it may be a lot more than that.
1: What did I say, John? <sighs>
0: did you say seventy? I might have. I, I think you might have said seventy. You so you, 65, you were seventy. 65, I, I, seventy.
1: I'm telling you, I'm a prognosticator, John. You guessed higher than me.
0: Well, we still don't know what the opening weekend of Venom is going to be it's at this be point, big. but. We may have gotten a little vindication because when Shang-Chi opened on its opening Thursday night, it made $8.8 million, which is very good for a preview Thursday night, right? Oh, yeah. Venom just smashed that. Uh, Venom, let there be carnage, made $11.6 million in previews, which again is about more. I'm trying to do math in my head. I'm probably way off, but it's somewhere at 20 ish percent more than Shang-Chi. Now, Shang-Chi eventually went on to make $75 million in its opening weekend. Right. Look, the preview night does not necessarily guarantee what the overall weekend will be, but for this thing to open, with $11.6 million, when Shang-Chi, which had a terrific opening weekend, had its opening preview night on a Thursday at $8.8 million. Rob, it looks like your guess was go is going to end up being a lot closer to the mark than me. Rob, you're hearing about Venom uh, getting these types of opening night numbers. What's your response to that?
1: Well, you know, I think people... Uh, look, Shang-Chi provided a great time at the movies. It really did. I mean, it was wildly entertaining. I have not seen Venom yet, but the idea of Venom and Carnage fighting is kind of like Godzilla versus Kong to me. I'm like, who doesn't want to see that? Like, I'm like, you know, if that's all that happens in the movie, if they never even explained who Carnage was and they just showed up, he just showed up and fought, I'm like, I'd watch that. I think people want to have fun, man. I think people are tired of the bullshit. I think people want to go to the movies and be wildly entertained. <laughs> what's, what's more entertaining than two symbiotes fighting? Oh, dude. I, I t- don't know, John. I'm like uh, uh, in a church, <laughs> I'm like in a church. Nonetheless. On. I'll, t- I'll tell you what I,
0: I, I, again, me personally, I really had a good time with this movie. I had a very, isn't that the point? I mean, that is the point. It won't be for everybody. Like just like the first Venom movie wasn't for everybody, but what is really encouraging to me is that while it's sitting at about 59% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is not great, but, but it's significant because even at 59%, which is not a great critic rating,
1: it's, it's, it's all right. Critics are never going to love. It, it, you know what? But more it than half the, of them
0: do. More than half the of them Shawshank do. It could be the
1: Shawshank Redemption of, of symbiote movies. But and more still, than half, half of them like- do.
0: <laughs> more That's the thing. More than twice the number of critics – that liked the first Venom because the first Venom had a 30% critic rating. Oh, This one has nearly double. And the audience rating, I believe the audience rating on the first Venom was 80%. I think the audience rating is even higher because last I checked, the audience rating is sitting at about 86%. So with that stuff combined with the fact that, you know, it's had a bigger opening night than Shang-Chi did, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a good week if you're the folks over at Sony and your Venom. Now, of course, we'll see how the opening weekend actually does. Maybe it will come closer to my fifty to sixty. Maybe it will come closer to your sixty-five to seventy. Maybe it'll be eighty-five. Yeah. Maybe it'll be nine. I mean, I don't know at this point, but it's certainly a good start. The question movies is are back,
1: John. <laughs> yeah, <movies are laughs> they're
0: back. back, and then we got Bond next week. We'll talk about that in a second. But guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this? I'm not going to lie to you. I'm surprised. I'm really surprised to see that I had this big of an opening night, even though the theater I went to last night, Rob was packed. The yeah. theater I went to last night was packed. I think the only empty seats were a couple at the very front row. That was it. So maybe I shouldn't be so surprised. What do you guys think about this? Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, Let's move into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics on The John Campus Show? Well, it's simple. You see, you guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to have as a main topic on the show, just go anytime, 24-7, over to www.thejohncampionshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's totally free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia show. So, Rob, what is our first main topic today?
1: Well, uh, I think I, I sense a theme here, John. Lucas Reed writes in and says, hey, John and Rob, did you guys have a chance to see that James Bond's No Time to Die has managed to have a bigger opening night than Spectre did in a pandemic? Does this affect your overall box office expectations for the movie? And can it be a bigger success than we thought? Thanks. Well, John, I mean, you know, it's really funny. Uh, Like, I wondered if this movie even existed at one point. I mean, I I, I bought tickets for it back in uh, April of 2020. I had my favorite. I remember you did. Yes. Dude, I had my favorite (laughs) tickets in my favorite theater. Well, the theater that I bought them in while it's still there has been closed. Yeah. Uh, who knows if it will ever open. And I wondered, perhaps this movie just never got made. It was vaporware. But now it is. it had its premiere over the last couple weeks, especially the last week. That if you go on YouTube, my God, how many clips are there of Daniel Craig talking to whatever interviewer wants to talk to him? We should have asked him to be on our show. Probably would have <laughs> said, sure, I'll be here. But uh, it's everywhere. Uh, there's it, it, People are digging the movie. Uh, they had a, a huge premiere in England, uh, it, it 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 it's it's arrived, John. It's it's Daniel Craig's last Bond film, but my God, it's the longest Bond film ever made. I am deliriously excited about seeing it, which I see on Wednesday in IMAX. Um, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be huge, and this is the most expensive film uh, that was held over because of the pandemic. So right. there's a lot at stake. People have talked about it has to make 900 million to break even. I don't know if it's going to do that. But according to Cinema Blend, No Time to Die had its first day in UK cinemas. And it looks like 007 will be serving up, I love this, a lot of martinis on the house tonight. The 25th James Bond film will make a reported 6.2 million to 6.8 million in its first day alone between midnight, Wednesday, and Thursday showings in the United Kingdom per deadline this places no time to die above 2015 specter by 13 and below 2012 skyfall which by the way was the only james bond film to join the billion dollar club which came out on friday by just 26 i think uh this is a great this is great news and uh, the movie's the longest bond film ever so there's less showings per day and i john i think this movie's gonna be huge what do you think
0: uh Again, I did not I, I thought Bond would do well considering the context of the pandemic, the, the global situation, there are still countries without their movie theaters open. As a matter of fact, and all that kind of stuff, I thought there might be a little bit of lag because of the fact that it was supposed to come out several times before we've had to wait over a year for it. Would that build anticipation or would that make people go, Oh, that movie never came out yet. You know, that sort of thing. So much like the venom box office results, Rob, I got to tell you, I'm surprised. Like, like the biggest number here to me is the fact that it made more money on its debut night in the UK, in the UK, because it's not open here yet. But on its debut night in the UK, then the last Bond film that wasn't under a pandemic situation did. And that last Bond film, Spectre, was coming off of a very popular and successful Bond film. And yet this thing did pretty well. So, I mean, where I was worried that the long delay would kill some enthusiasm for it, I think what's becoming apparent is that it just built up anticipation. Now, the question will then become, how will this movie do here? How will this movie perform on our shores? How will this movie be at the box office in North America? That is another question altogether. Yeah. You know, will that translate over? But I, I'm, I'm telling you what, Rob. If you put your finger on the pulse and you start looking at the amount of online conversation, you start listening to seeing the the, the comments that are coming in. You start hearing and looking at the number of questions that are coming regarding mm. Bond and all that kind of stuff. I I am now starting to believe that now I don't think I had a solid number for what I thought Bond would open at, but whatever it was, I'm starting to think it might be a little bit bigger than what I thought because you pointed out, Rob. Not only did it do well in the opening nights in the UK, but it's getting solid critic reviews again, not as good as Skyfall or Casino Royale, but it's getting solid reviews. The fans seem to really like it and enjoy it. And that's kind of the key thing here. So I good on James Bond, good on Daniel Craig uh, for his swan song as bond. Question is for you guys. What do you think? about this. Do you think this might just be an anomaly or do you think this could be a sign of things to come when it does open here in North America as well? Are you looking forward to James Bond? No time to die. Whatever your guys thoughts are, jump down into the comment section below and leave them there. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Steve Calderon, who writes... Uh, Victor Miller, the screenwriter of the original Friday the 13th movie, has won a copyright termination case to reclaim the domestic rights to the horror franchise thanks to help from attorney Mark Taboroff. Now, this is the same attorney who is helping the estates of Stan Lee and Steve Ditko Fight Marvel to also reclaim ownership of several characters. That includes Spider-Man, the Incredible Hulk, and Thor, and Iron Man, by the way. What are your thoughts about this news? All right, thanks Mm. a lot for sending that in. All right, guys, listen. Listen very carefully. This is a story about Friday the 13th, but it is a story about so much more. Oh, yeah. Um, This could be if the dinosaurs Rob had a cable news network, this would be the story they reported early, said, by the way, mysterious light seen in the sky. Three days later, dinosaurs are wiped out. Right? This, I'm not saying that's what this story is, but it could be. And here's why. You guys know that for the last little while, we've been talking about a couple of these, what's called copyright termination cases. It's going on in regards to the original screenwriters of Predator and Disney, because they're trying to get the rights to it back, and as well as the estates of Stan Lee, Ditko, and one or two others that are trying to get the rights back to certain characters that they created, even though the copyright is now owned by Disney. And we've been talking about that for a little while. There's been a similar case going on between the original screenwriter of the first Friday the 13th And I believe it was Paramount, might be one of the others, but the the producers of it as well, claiming that he has a right now to go to them and take back the copyright because a certain amount of time has passed and he should be allowed to take it back. This is the same legal principle that's at play in the whole MCU situation. It's the same principle that's at play. But for the first time, the person trying to get the copyright back has scored a major victory. All right, this comes to us from the folks at The Hollywood Reporter who write this. Victor Miller, represented by Mark Tabaroff, once scared moviegoers with Friday the 13th. Four decades after penning that influential horror flick, which prompted numerous sequels, he has scored an impromptu legal victory that may frighten Hollywood producers. On Thursday, the Second uh, U.S. Six- Circuit Court of Appeals affirmed a win for him in a copyright termination battle. As a result... He's set to reclaim the domestic rights to the franchise. And there's still reason for settlement given that the producer retains foreign rights as well as intellectual property derived from Friday the 13th sequels, including maybe the monstrous Jason. Because remember, Rob, Jason wasn't the predominant character of the first Friday the 13th movie, contrary to most Spoiler people's
1: alert. Spoiler Come alert. Come on now.
0: Character that showed up later in the franchise. All right. This is... A little bit complex and a little bit complicated, but the basics of it is this. This guy who wrote the script, who was paid to write the script for that movie, he got paid for his work. He's just won a court case where the court said, yep, you get to have the copyright back, at least in part. It's still very confusing because the producers have international rights to it, but he gets domestic rights to it. So, I mean, there's a lot of confusion here still. But, Rob, the key thing here is, the important thing, the flash in the sky is that one of these copyright termination cases just actually won. And yep. now, now the, the situation with the Marvel case is a little bit different because I believe... The Friday the 13th script was written once this termination of copyright law was created. The Stan Lee and Ditko situation, though those works were done before that law existed. Yeah. So it does create a little bit of a question mark about how. So just because this guy won, it doesn't automatically mean that the Stan Lee and Ditko estates are going to win either because there are some differences. But the basic principle is there. The court has sided with the Creator that he gets to get his copyright back. Rob, is it exaggeration to say that this could be absolutely cataclysmic for something somebody like Marvel, the, the, this company that has control over these incredibly iconic characters that makes up their empire? if they were to suddenly lose the rights to those characters, I mean, obviously they'd probably still stand because they'd back up big trucks of money to the estates and have to pay tons and tons and tons and tons. But, I mean, this could be very bad. Rob, number one, let's get to Friday the 13th in a second. We'll talk about the specifics of Friday the 13th in a moment. But um, how significant is this ruling as far as future IP as we go forward, particularly as it pertains to stuff like Marvel and their ongoing cases right now?
1: <clears throat> I think it's very significant. And, you know, when, when it really comes down to it, John, you know, American companies, specifically Disney, have been subverting copyright law for years. And and there's a reason why copyright law was created in the first place. And I think that, you know, this idea, the fact that IPs exist the way they exist now, this was not something anyone could have foreseen 100 years ago. But... Um, like you just said, all that you need to do is, is pay people what they're worth or pay the families of creators for the legacy of what they created. And it's it's as simple as that. Like no one in this country, uh, I think America's biggest problem is, and I understand, big business does not want to be fair to the rest of the world. Uh, we're We're greedy capitalists and I get it. Um, But the fact is, if you create something, and and the writer of Friday the 13th, that movie came out in 1980. So you're talking 41 years ago that the movie actually came out. And there's been how many? I I have the Friday the 13th Blu-ray box set. And it it, it has generated a whole lot of money for a whole lot of people. Right. And um, I think what's happened here is correct. I think it's just it's what's supposed to happen, and um, like anyone else, Marvel is trying to I mean let's let's be clear. Disney is trying to do what they did with Mickey Mouse. you know we we need to this is our brand, we need to protect it, and we'll do anything. We'll pay however much we have to pay to make sure that our our brand is clear. But you know what? if you go to the creators or their heirs or legacy people and say, look, we understand we've we're making billions of dollars off of your family members creation. Here's a bunch of money. We want to continue doing that. Let's make a deal. That's the way it should be. That's, and, and I think that with this case, uh, I think a lot of people are going to be way, uh, maybe we should take a look at this because my God, why shouldn't people get paid in the case of Friday the 13th? It is the original writer who wrote that script. He deserves have his copyright. He wrote it in the first place.
0: I see, and I'm a little torn on it. I I mean, I like your passion, but I'm I'm still honestly a little bit torn on it because, yes, he wrote the screenplay and he got compensated. He got paid. I mean, and I always go back to this. Like, I had a a discussion with a, a friend of ours once where it's like, well, I mean, somebody got somebody created a work, but they got paid for it. And, you know, my friend said, yes, but if that movie goes on to make hundreds of millions of dollars, that guy should get more. And I said, well, I could buy into that only if the movie got made and lost money that that guy gives the money back. Because you shouldn't be able to have it both ways. Like, if you get paid for your work and that work ends up losing the producer's money, you don't have to give your money back. You, you, no. you got paid for your work. I did my work. If you go ahead and lose money on the project, that's your problem. I did the work I was contracted for. But at the same time, I mean, if the producers go off and do their jobs really well and make hundreds of millions of dollars, does that entitle the person to more money later? Depending on, like you said, it's it's not about what you deserve. It's about what you it's negotiate. What you negotiate. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm a little bit torn on this. And, and by the way... There's a lot in this article. I want to point out this article. It's in the Hollywood Reporter. I'm going to encourage all you guys, if you're really interested in more information on this, search the Hollywood Reporter for Friday the 13th screenwriter uh, story, and you should be able to find it there, because a lot of this decision has to do with making a distinction between a contractor for hire versus an employee. When is it different? I mean, there's a lot of fine details that we don't have time to go into here, but if you're actually really interested in this topic, I highly recommend this Hollywood Reporter um article. It gives a lot of good information on that.
1: But, but you know, John, I, I think as a matter of policy, um, if you work on something and you create it, you write it, even if it's work for hire. If it becomes like the Friday the 13th franchise, uh you, you know, 13 movies, whatever, and and it's here for 40 years, no one knows if they're creating something, if it's going to be successful. No one. You know, there's no there's no there's no magical there's no magic eight ball you can look at well it is decidedly so no one knows but i do think that we as a society of people must compensate those who make things that are are good and 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 those initial creators should be compensated and the fact that we have we have people fighting in court to deny those who have made something foundational members of of the team that made something successful we should just compensate them that's how life should work and the fact that it doesn't work that way that's the problem because people are like we don't want to pay this person well why not
0: but what if they already did pay them what if they already did pay them but that's
1: but but they paid them for something that no one knew if it was going to be successful shouldn't if you make something that's successful shouldn't we all share in that I don't know don't, because
0: I, I think if you're the one who takes the risk, if you're the one taking the risk, you're the one who should get the reward. If you're the only one who's going to be hurt if it doesn't work out, then you're the one who should be the one who benefits if it does. And I think, I mean, and again, I, I'm I'm only saying that one side of the argument. I'm actually yeah, yeah. torn. I'm 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 actually torn on. And this. I, I don't
1: disagree. I don't yeah. disagree with you. You know, that's why I'm not a communist. I don't think that workers <laughs> should own the methods of production because who built the factory? You know, I mean, who put up the money to start the business? Who took that risk? i I totally agree with you. But if it is successful, a rising tide raises all ships. Isn't it better? Like these guys are in court. How much has this? Sure,
0: I agree. But cost? remember, that's not what what's at stake here because this guy isn't taking them to court to get more money. He's taking right. them to court to get back something they paid him for they like they paid him for that script and so they've been under the belief for decades that they own it and now he wants to take it back and i think it's i think it's fascinating i think it's totally fascinating
1: you know they've made 12 movies was he paid for those 12 movies i mean the fact is that that the situation changed when the movie became successful just like scarlett johansson it's like um you know this pandemic came around, so we're not going to pay you. And she's like, look, that wasn't our deal. Our deal was that you paid me and I had an expectation of, of this movie being theatrically released. If you change the, the conditions, that's on you. And if the movie becomes successful, I didn't sign on for a, a franchise that became hugely popular. Now that it is, got to give me a taste. Right. And, 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 and that's on them. I think that's, you gotta, but you gotta I feel like it's gotta go both ways.
0: I think if you're going to do that, it has to go both ways where if it's really successful, make tons of money, I get more Then if it's totally a failure and you lose money, I should give some of my money back. Like, I, I think it's, it's, I, I, I'm just trying to well, think of the principle I, of fairness,
1: I, I, you know, I, I don't disagree with you there, but I wouldn't
0: away. want that. If I was to work at be like, hell no, pay me what I do. I don't know. It's really interesting. It's going to be really interesting too. Cause I think you raise a lot of valid points, right? I think you raise a lot of valid points and a lot of stuff that's got to be considered. It's going to be interesting to see how this Disney one works out, man, with the Marvel characters. It's going to be really, really interesting. But again, guys, yep. I encourage you go check out that article on the Hollywood reporter. It gives a lot of good information, whatever it is. You guys are thinking about this, jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three, shall we? Mm. Rob, what is our third main topic today?
1: Well, I hope I get his name right. Uh, George Adamopoulos says, I live in Greece, and here Disney Plus will not be available for about a year or more. I'm a big fan. I love the MCU, and I've watched all of its movies in the cinema. Given the connectivity between the MCU movies and the Disney Plus series, it's very disturbing that I can't watch, for example, mm. WandaVision, a show that has major implications for the future of the MCU and the eminent movies. Therefore, I'm forced to download the series. I think it's very unfair for a large part of the world to wait for two years or more to have access to Disney Plus, And perhaps Disney must find a way for us to legally download the content. I tried to subscribe using a VPN, but I need a foreign credit card. Um you know, John, I went to a film festival in Israel in 2005, and when I was there, the biggest question that the people in Israel asked me was like, I feel about piracy because, like, we don't get much and we're, we're, we download everything. <laughs> they're like, are you going to be offended by us because we download <laughs> stuff? And my, my response was, if, 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 if you can't get something commercially, because they all wanted to pay for it, they're like, we'll pay, we'll pay. But if you can't get it, that's not on you. And we, everyone knows there's technology around the world. I do not condone piracy. It's stealing, straight up, it's stealing. Doesn't matter. But if you can't get something, I don't know what to say. We live in a world where the technology exists where you can get these things. Do I condone this? No. Piracy is piracy, it's theft. It's ruined independent movies. However, what are you going to do? Like George asks, do we just sit around and twiddle our thumbs until maybe Disney Plus comes to my country? Well, I, I would say no. No one's going to do that. You could be hit by a bus in two years. Why wait? Yeah. And it's it's on Disney Plus. They haven't made it available in your country. What are you going to do? I think that's on Disney.
0: I think he raises a good point, too, about the complication that this causes for him. He is an MCU fan. Disney, assumedly, wants him to go see Doctor Strange 2 when it comes out. But since that movie's going to have Wanda in it, it would probably be good to watch WandaVision before that movie comes out. But Disney is giving him no legitimate avenue to watch WandaVision. And, Rob, that's the key. See, I'm with you 100%. Piracy is theft, I, theft, I I hear people up. try to use semantics to get around it. I'm sorry. No stealing. This content was created for the purpose of sale. This content was created with the intention and purpose of sale. And if you circumvent that and just take it without compensating the creator of it and the person who invested into making that thing, I'm sorry, it's stealing. Well, you know, yeah. it's a digital copy isn't really. St- no, no. You're a thief. You're a thief.
1: You're, you're a thief. Period. There, there, there is no, there is no other way to say it. You're stealing someone else's property.
0: Absolutely. But as in a lot of things in life, not everything is black and white and there is 50 shades of gray. What if you are somebody like, I I think it was George, was that his name George? Let me just double check what his name was. George. His name is George. Yeah. If you're somebody like George, where it's like, look, I, I want to pay for this content. You have other movies coming out in my area that I kind of feel like I need to watch this other content before I watch this. Everybody else in the world has it. I, I here's my money. Like what's that? Um, what's that meme that's always out there? Take my mo- shut up and take my money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's I, I want to pay for it, but they are giving me no. Now I should say this: Disney is not. Failing to be in certain international markets because they don't want to be there. Disney Plus. Disney wants to have Disney Plus in every country on the planet. There are. It's complicated though. There's a lot of loopholes. There's a lot of hoops they need to jump through. There's a lot of licensing and territorial agreements that got to get done. And they they want to be there. They do. But Rob, you and I have talked about this before. One thing, love or hate, Star Trek Discovery and the the, the network oh, hey, formerly John, known hey, <laughs> hey, for the the hey, network. Hey, hey formerly known as CBS All Access. When CBS All Access was bringing out Star Trek Discovery, and they knew, you know, we don't have CBS All Access in every country in the world, so you know what they did? They licensed out Star Trek Discovery to other networks that were in those countries that they weren't at. So if fans wanted to be able to access it, they had a legitimate way of accessing the content. I will still never understand. Because Rob, I remember we had this discussion when Mandalorian was first coming out. I will never understand why when Disney was launching this huge show that everybody in the world wanted to watch, but Disney plus understandably wasn't able to be everywhere yet. Why they didn't just say, okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make our show at least available on VOD. Like, at least you can go to some digital online store and pay $3 per episode to download it or whatever. At least yep. then you're providing a legitimate avenue for people who are there willing to be customers. This this whole notion of, well, we don't have Disney Plus there yet? Well, then you just can't watch our stuff. That seems, that seems very 1989 kind of thinking. I mean, I, I really think this is something Disney now— Hopefully, Rob, this isn't going to be an issue for long because Disney continues to roll out more and more and more in countries. But I honestly do not know what their possible rationale is for not taking Loki, Mandalorian, WandaVision, and making money by licensing it out to other territories on platforms that do exist there so the fans there can see it. Disney can make their money And then when there are, they are able to roll at Disney plus it's all the better. So I, I don't know, Rob, do you see like, does that work? Is there, is there a drawback to what I'm suggesting that I'm just not recognizing right now?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I think what you're suggesting is like if you live in a country where you can't get something, make it available, you know, and, and look, I get it. I get it that the Disney plus MCU shows are designed for one thing to gain subscribers They want the world to subscribe to Disney Plus. I get it. Understand it. I like Disney Plus. I enjoy it very much. But if you're in a country where you can't get it, why doesn't Disney give you that opportunity to download, pay for the shows per episode? Uh, I think people would do that. And um, if they're not going to do it, then what are you going to do? Get a VPN? I mean, I, I, I have friends in Europe that subscribe to HBO max because they can't get it in their, their, their country. And, but they actually, they pay for it. They've got a credit card, like a, they'll get a credit card from whatever country they, they want it to be based in. So they can actually, but that's a trick, that right?
0: There's, there's an extra hoop because not only do you have to get the VPN, yeah. now you have to actually get a credit card that is based in that country as well. Yeah, because, however,
1: like, yeah, however it works. I mean, it's, it's, it's not easy. I have friends who do that. And they have parties where it's like, uh, uh, the new Wonder Woman movies. Come over to my house. They don't know whether it's good or not. Doesn't matter. They 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 can show it to their friends, and they they're doing that. And you know what? I, I mean, I guess it's considered an acceptable loss on the part of HBO Max because most of the world doesn't have it. Hmm. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the the Snyder Cut came out on 4K disc months and months and months before it came out here domestically. I bought it in Europe. I had it. I had my steel book for months before anyone here in the states did, and that was that was money they've lost. And I, I, if, if you're not going to make it available, it's your own fault. But I do think, John, they should make it available. I think I think people would actually pay. Maybe I don't know how much they pay per episode, but ninety nine cents, they would. two dollars, three dollars. I mean,
0: yeah. Imagine listen.
1: if everyone in Greece who wanted to see Wandavision paid for every episode. That could be a lot of money.
0: It, it would make them a lot of money. And, and, be, and again, listen, I make no mistake about it. Rob and I, piracy is just, you're a thief. You're a thief if you pirate. Yeah. But if you're somebody, I'm not condoning anything, George, just be clear, I'm not condoning anything. But if you're somebody who's in a situation like George, where you're in a country and you are a willing customer and you want to pay for the content, And that content creator is simply not making any legitimate, viable way for you to see it when a lot of other people around the world are. I'm not going to condone it. I'm just saying I think it's a gray area. (laughs) I think it's a gray area. So I neither condemn nor condone anything, George, that you may or may not feel you need to do. That's all I'm going to say on that matter. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about that? Like, hey, you're a customer, you want to pay for it, but they're not making it available to me when they're making it available to everybody else. It's a moral gray area. How do you feel about it? Jump down into the comment section below and let me know what you think. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number four. And our fourth main topic today gets submitted to us by Anthony Buchanan, who writes... So according to the Hollywood Reporter, the Scarlett Johansson Disney lawsuit has ended as both sides have worked out a deal. While no details are announced, it was interesting to hear that ScarJo and Disney, after dragging ScarJo through the mud, are willing to work together still on future projects. Disney notably mentioning the Tower of Terror project. Are you surprised both sides are working together still? Do you think Disney and Scarjo would be willing to do a Black Widow 2 in the future? Well, the real question is is Kevin Feige have any plans of doing a Black Widow 2? That's the, that's the question anyway, along with any future MCU projects that may come down the pipeline for her. Thanks for taking my question. Stay filthy. All right, thanks a lot for saying this in, man. And oh my goodness. Look Dude, what happened. Come on. I have said from day one, as many others did, it's not like I'm like I'm Nostradamus here. Like I, other people said this too. I said, there is one way that this Disney Scarlett Johansson thing ends. And there's only one way it ends. And it's not even going to go to trial. This is going to end with Disney, hat in hand, tail tucked between their legs, having to go to, to Scarlett Johansson and write her a big fat mouse eared shape check and settle this thing out of court. I said from day one, that's what was, that's the only way this is going to end. Disney clearly violated the contract. They have no win here. This is going to end with them signing a big fat check. And that is apparently exactly what happened. This comes to us from the folks over at deadline who write just days After the first court hearing in Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow Profit Megabyte lawsuit on Disney was pushed back to March of 2022, the Oscar nominee and the House of Mouse have made peace. And it was very pricey for the Disney camp, for the latter. As it is almost always the case in cases like this, neither side gave any indication of how much money was involved in the settlement. However, when all, when all is said and done, the deal, I, uh, the deal will run to more than $40 million, sources tell me. This is, of course, coming us from Deadline. This is coming out to $40 million. And Rob, I'm going to tell you what else. I was told last week that the initial number, and I think you're going to see this coming out in reports here soon, the initial number before a lawsuit ever got filed— that Scarlett Johansson's representation wanted to get from Disney was around the $20 million mark. They wanted really around $20 million. They started off talking to the Disney people, throwing out like a number like $100 million, but what they said, the, the report's coming out now is that what they were really looking for was $20 million. But instead of just giving, instead of talking to her representation, instead of talking to her, they decided to publicly try to shame her They try to publicly throw her under the bus, and that little strategy has backfired spectacularly, and it has cost them more than $20 million more than it would have cost them if they just played ball with her in the first place. Which means, Rob, they totally believe if this had gone to trial, it would have cost them even more. It would have cost them even more. Now, just to remind everybody about a fallout, like the 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 procession of events here. Let's jump over to the Campia Classroom for a second, okay? So, starting off with this, for those you forget, uh, Disney assured Scarlett Johansson that uh, Black Widow would absolutely get a theatrical exclusive release. This, of course, was made public in when the Disney lead attorney wrote an email to Scarlett Johansson. This has been made public, where prior to the decision to put this thing out on Disney+, they assured her, whatever, this is going to be a full theatrical release. That leads us into issue number two. Disney uh, broke, if I can spell today, <laughs> broke that agreement. So Disney broke it. And they decided, you know what? No, we're just going to put this thing out on Disney+. Plus. All right. That led to part number three. Scar Joe's uh, lawyers reached out to Disney to try to reach a settlement for figuring out, okay, well, if you, you are going to pull it out of theaters, you're going to need to give Scar Joe some extra money because... Her salary in the agreement was based on how much box office this makes. You promised it was going to be theatrical only. You're putting it on Disney Plus, so you got to talk to us, and let's negotiate and come up with a new number. But Disney ignored them. Disney said, nuh-uh, nuh-uh. We don't need to talk to you. Mwah. Go fuck yourself, Scarlett. Go fuck yourself in that little contract we signed. We're Disney. Bob Chapek comes in. I'm Bob Chapek. I'm the heir to Bob Iger. I don't need to honor contracts. What are you talking about? Take that. You know, contracts are for the peasants. Contracts are for peasants. They're not for people like me. And they ignored them. They ignored them. This is all public, guys. This is all public information. Disney ignored them and sent them away. So, ScarJo, Files lawsuit, you know, saying, hey, look, you've left me no choice. I got to take you to court now. Now I got to take you to court. I remember from what we're hearing, and this is coming out in reports now, they were really just trying to get an additional $20 million to compensate for what she was going to lose in the box office. Files lawsuit. Instead of being classy about it, Disney uh, tries to publicly shame Scarlett Johansson (laughs) by revealing her her uh, salary on the film by oh, saying, dude. by by like basically blaming the pandemic on her, like this is all her fault and blah, blah, blah. And they started publicly shaming her and all that kind of stuff. Then, then basically uh, Bob Chapek admitted, remember we talked about this the other day, Rob? Yep. Bob Chapek at a conference basically admitted they screwed Scarlett Johansson. He basically said, oh, yeah, we're going to have to change the way we do contracts from now on. Basically acknowledging, yeah, because the way we did her contract with Scarlett Johansson means she's got us screwed. That means she's got us screwed. But, Rob, there's something other very, very important here. Disney, and I think this is why this got settled now instead of later. Disney filed to have the case uh, brought to private uh, our... Uh, arbitration. So if you guys remember, Disney made a filing saying, Hey, we don't want this tried in court because if it's tried in court, all the information is public record. Mm. They wanted this thing done in private arbitration. So none of it would be public record. Rob, this has not been reported. I am simply speculating here. Okay. I'm just speculating. Let's be clear about that. I think the reason this all of a sudden got settled so fast, I think Disney found out they weren't going to be granted private arbitration. I think, now again, I'm just speculating. I'm just putting pieces of the puzzle. I could be off on this. I could be way off on this. But I think the reason they didn't even wait to get even close to when the trial date was going to start, I think they found out that their motion to have this move to private arbitration was declined. And they were like, well, fuck, we can't have all this made public because <laughs> yeah, we're going right? to look stupid as hell. Settle. Settle with her. And you know what? Not only, Rob, did this thing cost them more than $20 million than it would have if they just honored their contract in the first place and dealt with Scarlett Johansson when she approached them before the lawsuit got filed? Mm. Rob, I think she got more than that because as we go down now, if we look at the article, uh, listen to this. This is Scarlett Johansson's comment saying, I am happy to have resolved our differences with Disney, said Johansson in a statement released Thursday. I'm incredibly proud of the work that we've done together over the years and have greatly enjoyed my creative relationship with them. I look forward to continuing our collaboration for years to come. Disney's representative said then put out this statement. I'm very pleased that we've been able to come to a mutual agreement with Scarlett Johansson regarding Black Widow, said Alan Bergman, chairman of Disney Studios content. We appreciate her contributions to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Man, this is a totally different tune than they were singing a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. we We appreciate her contributions to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and look forward to working together on a number of upcoming projects, including Disney's Tower of Terror. She says for many, for you know, for more projects in years to come, he says on a number of upcoming projects. Rob, again, this is not in the official reports. I'm just speculating here. Scarlett Johansson didn't just get $40 million from them, 40 million plus. She also got more projects handed to her. She also got not only are you going to be signing me a big fat mouse eared shaped check. You're also going to give me more projects. You're going to green light more projects for me. Uh, and, oh.
1: and, it's, and good on her, man. <laughs> I mean, they publicly shamed a talent that has worked with them on nine projects, including jungle book. Yeah. And I mean, they shamed her by the way, John, I, I, I would be remiss. There's something that just came over the transom. Uh, I have to read something to you. It says, congratulations to the hardest working man I know, John Campia. At least there are 250,000 people that tolerate you. <laughs> this was on Twitter, and it comes from someone named Ann Campia. <laughs> uh, yeah. A minute ago, Ann she Campia... Doesn't. <laughs>
0: She doesn't tolerate me.
1: But, but I have to say, you know what? To have a wife that celebrates you in this manner, God bless her. I'm
0: a lucky man,
1: dude. I really you am. are a lucky man. You know who else is
0: lucky? Scarlett Johansson. Rob, what, what do you think about what ScarJo just, dude, uh, just I, I, landed first of here?
1: all? Look, here's the thing. In our Me Too, uh, she she was she was humiliated and dragged through the mud by a company that she collectively worked on projects that made billions of dollars for. It was disgusting. I I mean, to be honest, everyone's like, well, you know, she." I don't care how much money she made. The fact is, if you're a business collaborator with someone and and everyone, I understand there's so much money involved. She's one of the Hollywood elites. I don't care. She she signed a contract. Whether it was a contract for a dollar, $10, $100, or millions and millions of dollars, it doesn't matter. If you're doing good business with a company, If a company turns around and you have a dispute and drags your name through the mud, F them. That is not what we're supposed to do. And in this day and age where where women are finally having the voice they've deserved for a millennia or more, and, and you have powerful women in Hollywood doing great work for you and making you billions of dollars to turn around and do what Disney did, it is unconscionable. The statement that was made... Uh, about her is beyond the pale. I mean, it should never have happened and no amount of money. Disney should have given her a hundred million dollars and, and, and it wouldn't have been enough. So good on her.
0: I, I agree. And listen, I see somebody writing in the live chat and I won't name them saying, why are we defending an actress getting $40 million? It's, it's irrelevant. What we, what the uh, principle here is that a big, massive company like <clears throat> Disney signed a contract, a yes. contract And then not only said, we're big enough that we can ignore this contract. You go screw off to the person that they had the contract with. But then when she tried to stand up for herself to get what she was owed from her contract, they publicly tried to shame her. Something that never would have happened if Bob Iger was still the CEO of Disney. Papa Iger never would have allowed that to happen. But under Chapek, it did. And so that's the thing. It's not like oh, good. The rich get richer. It's hey, listen. Somebody who had a contract got wronged, and they got shamed when they were trying to right. stand up for their rights, and now now, Disney's got to bend over, take it up the keister, and smile and say thank you, sir. May I have another? Because they didn't handle this right from the first place. That's now, right, Rob. You and I were talking before the show started. I because honestly, what I want to believe here. What I want to believe is I want to believe that what we have here is a situation of Bob Chapek realizing, you know what, we handled this wrong. We handled this wrong. And look what a mess it's become. Let's reevaluate our approach. You know what? Get me ScarJo's representation on the phone. We're going to settle this. We're going to do right by her. We're going to settle this, and we're going to move forward. That's what I hope happened. That's what I hope happened. Because you guys know, I don't have a lot of faith in Bob Chapek as the CEO of Disney. I want to. I, I'm looking for a silver lining here. I, I, obviously, I'm really disgusted by the way he's handled this job so far. But I want to believe this is Bob Chapek going, you know what? Yeah, I made some mistakes starting off this job. This was one of those mistakes. And I'm learning a lesson from it. And mm. let's get this thing fixed. Rob, that's what I want to believe. The pessimistic, jaded side of me, though, is wondering if this just wasn't just Big Papa Iger, who is still the chairman of Disney, who has been trying to let Bob Chapek find his own way. A part of me has to wonder if this was, was it Bob Chapek learning from his mistakes and correcting it? Or was this Iger getting on the phone and saying, I've had enough of this shit. Stop this now get her on the phone and settle and give her anything she wants because we're the ones who screwed this up. So I like to believe it was JPEC fixing it. Maybe it was fingers crossed. It was, but this might've been Iger just saying enough fix it. I don't know. Rob, what do you, how do you, what do you think brought about this thing getting resolved? I, you
1: know what you just suggested. I, that seems plausible to me. I, I mean, this was a, a, a horrible embarrassment. It was handled terribly by Disney all the way around. And you know, what's interesting doesn't matter anymore. They Mm. settled. The news story came out. It was in deadline. We're done. And, and if anyone says, if Disney's like, if if people want to criticize Disney, they're like, Nope, taken care of. There's nothing more. There's nowhere to go. And, and that was what should have happened from the beginning. No one should have known about this. It should have happened behind closed doors, but because, you know, look, I'm sure Bob JPEG in his entire career Never had to deal with a situation where, well, uh, how are we going to define to shareholders the, the tens of millions of dollars we're going to have to pay out? Like, like I don't know what to do. Well, buddy, that's when you need to come in and be like Uncle or, or Papa, Papa, big Papa, Iger. And, uh, <laughs> Papa, Iger and just handle it. Put on your big boy pants, write the check. People will get it. Done but no 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 they, and the thing is they insulted her publicly they tried to shame her that's what's the worst part of it all yeah and they tried to shame her for getting something she was asking that was part of her own contract that they signed in 2017 and that's the, if i was scarjo i'd be like um you know what i, I might have settled with you but no you shamed me publicly you dissed me. I worked on nine movies for you, and you dissed me. <laughs> Pay up, buddy. Somebody Pay live, up.
0: Some of the live chat is asking, is Scar ScarJo going to get a public apology? Dude, she just got 40 million of them. She, yeah, she, she just, she yeah. just got 40 what, million of them.
1: Uh, the Weekend Update host, Colin's like, yeah, I married well. That's right. Yeah, yeah you did, did buddy. <laughs> did, right, yes, did. you did. Well,
0: listen, I think we can all ignore acknowledge he married well prior to this lawsuit
1: i mean you know his wife's no ann campia i mean yeah well, nobody is he married well
0: nobody is by the way this could pave the way because rob remember this thing escalated when we found out that the russo brothers had been in contact and had been in <laughs> negotiations with marvel to come back to direct another one or two movies and the russo brothers were saying Now we don't know if we want to come back because we're seeing how they're treating Scarlett Johansson. Like, this was escalating. I wonder now that this has been settled, that Disney and ScarJo are coming out and holding hands and singing Kumbaya together, saying, all is good, all is good. I wonder if this now fixes those potential problems with other talent, like like the Russo brothers. Rob, do you expect we're going to see the Russo brothers back in the MCU now?
1: Ah, You know what? (laughs) If I were them... And after seeing the response, Cherry God or whatever, I'd go back. <laughs> hey, hello, Avengers five. We're here. Yeah,
0: it's well, why there. not. So, guys, it looks like the long national nightmare is over. <laughs> the, the lawsuit between that never should have happened in the first place. The lawsuit between uh, Scarlett Johansson and Disney. It's now done. It's done. It's been resolved the way we said from day one it was going to be resolved, with Disney signing a big, fat, mouse-eared shaped check more than they needed to. They could have saved a lot of money. They could have saved a lot of face if they had just honored their agreement. And here we are. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about the outcome of this? Jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down... Let's now move on and start taking your live comments and questions, shall we? Once again, if you want to send in a live comment or question to be read on the show or in an upcoming companion video, simply use the tip link that's down in the description of this video. Click on it there, or you can enter it manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv tip. You'll be getting your comment or question read on the show. If it's of course appropriate for the show. And of course you'll be supporting our channel at the same time. All right, guys, let's get over to it here. Shall we? First up, we're going to start with Raphael, who tips in like $20. Thank you, Raphael, for supporting Thank us you, on that Raphael. level, dude. Raphael writes, John, big fan of your show and the Bond films. Do the makers of No Time to Die have the license to kill Bond? I haven't seen the film. Reviews say it's emotional. I'm worried. Would they actually kill Bond? Would that be good or bad for the franchise? All right, thanks for writing that in, Raphael. Listen, Rob, like, you're you're the bigger Bond historian than I am. So correct me if I'm wrong. But when every when each new actor takes over the role of Bond, it's a new Bond. Yeah. And if this is the last uh, Daniel Craig Bond, then there's literally no negative repercussions if they kill him at the end. There I mean cuz you again, you just in 3 years they can do the next Bond movie with the next actor who is a new iteration Bond. Mm-hmm. Because Rob you know, this Daniel Craig's Bond is not the same Bond that Roger Moore's Bond was or that Timothy Dalton's Bond was or George Lazenby's Bond was. He he is his own Bond. And then they'll do a new Bond universe. It's almost like it's it's rebooted every time they start yeah. things up. So Ro, how would you address that?
1: Well, the interesting thing about the Daniel Craig Bonds is we saw that the genesis of James Bond in Casino Royale, he made his first two kills to get him his license to kill. And uh, I would say that it would make sense to kill him in the end because I've always said that James Bond was probably going to die in no time to die, Um, and that. But he doesn't have time to die, Rob.
0: He doesn't have time to die.
1: (laughs) Well, but it gives us a it gives us his whole arc. I mean, the five. I don't necessarily agree with it because Daniel Craig never had a Bond movie where he just had a regular mission. It's all like, oh, everything's. I feel bad about life and uh, let's, let's, let's look at my inner turmoil. But I, it makes sense to me that Daniel Craig's, I don't know if that is, that's what happens at the end of the bond movie, but uh, maybe it does, but it makes sense to me that he would die because it's shown his whole life. So it's, it's a, it's five films that give you a, a lifetime of bond. And then they go back and they're like, it's another iteration of James Bond at a different point in his life. So works for me.
0: Yeah, it works for me too. Let's see what they do with it. All right, next up, we've got, uh, who do we got? We got KWGarrett83, who writes, hey, John, some recent gems I can recommend. Netflix comedy series on movie cliches. Yeah, I started watching that. It's got Rob... Um What's his name? Rob Lowe narrating it. I I watched just a couple of minutes of it. I got to go back and watch that. Uh, You're the Worst TV show on Hulu. I binged all five seasons in a month and Mythic Quest on Apple TV. I do. I'm all caught up on Mythic Quest. I really do enjoy Mythic Quest on Apple TV, which is basically about a World of Warcraft game studio. And I loved it. Yeah, I really do like Mythic Quest quite a bit. Rob, do you have you seen this cliches or have you watched You're the Worst or Mythic Quest?
1: Uh, I haven't watched mythic quest but i have watched the 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 cliche thing it's it you know what here's here's what i don't like i don't like our whole culture is deconstructing everything and in a way it kind of takes the fun out of it all because it like people are like oh see that's a cliche. And it's, you know, it's like The Simpsons doing a parody of all my favorite classic films, like Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Can people these days watch Planet of the Apes and still like it? Or are they going, you know, I, I saw The Simpsons parody before I saw the movie. And I'm like, oh, that well, movie changed my life.
0: Well, yeah, but, you know, a lot of people are going to see this is an older film.
1: So I, I know. know, but, you know, it's fun. Yep. It's, but I don't want everyone to know, oh, that's the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come I- on, man. All right, next up, Capri Grant writes,
0: one of two, hey, John, so I'm a film lover like yourself. One of the things I love to do is on one of my days off, I'll schedule uh, it to be just a theater day, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Nice, depending on what's out. Unfortunately, I intended to watch Dune as one of the movies I watch on this movie day. I was planning at the end of October, but I sat down and really gave some thought as to how I feel about the director's uh, director's Marvel comments, and I can't support it in... Theaters after being insulted by him. Um, as a consumer, the only real way I can protest is with my money. I do feel the same as you on the D and D release of HBO Max on the day and date release of HBO Max. But I feel my only recourse is to reactivate my account and watch it free and support other films in theaters. All right, thanks a lot for writing that, In Capri. And listen, I, I get it. You're not the only person. You're not the only person who has written in to tell me that I I've read, not just people writing to me. I've seen a lot of other writings online of people saying, well, that's it. Like, it looks like Dune is going to be an HBO one for me, or they're just not going to watch it all. There are two things I would say to that. There are two things Now, listen and Rob, you know, I hated what Denis Villeneuve said. Yeah. I hated his comments. It was, it was a classless comment made by a very classy guy. It was, it was a comment that was well beneath him. So I, I'm not sugarcoating that I thought it was a stupid thing for him to say. It absolutely was a stupid thing to him to, for him to say. But I would also say this. Is, is that really the appropriate response? I mean, maybe. That's up for you to decide. But I'll just pose the question. Is that the appropriate response? Is because really is saying I'm just not going to watch that movie at all because one comment somebody made one time, it was classless. It was a classless comment, but did it actually hurt anybody? Did it actually, you know, sort of thing. And remember too, Denis Villeneuve isn't the only guy to work on this film.
1: Yeah, of course. I was going to say thousands of people, probably. thousands
0: of people have worked on it. So, so what are we going to do? Are we going to find out uh, what's the girl from the mission impossible movie? She plays, Rebecca Ferguson, Rebecca Ferguson. So Rebecca Ferguson, who plays Paul's mother, I believe
1: in the movie, Lady Jessica.
0: What if we, what if she says something like, what if she says, man, I think lollipops are stupid. And you are somebody who is a lollipop aficionado and you love lollipops because that one person who's involved with the movie said something that kind of like, wasn't really all that bad, but you know, rubbed you the wrong way is that something to say, well, I'm not going to watch your movie now or I'm not going to support your movie even though I was going to support the movie. I, I, Again, Capri, every film fan has to make this decision for themselves. What's the line for them? I would challenge a little bit though and say I don't think that's a balanced response. I don't think that's a balanced response. And I say this to somebody who really did not like Denis Villeneuve's comment, but it's not like he came out and said, you know, Italians, all just stinking useless whops who should get it back on their boat and go home. They bring nothing but misery. Yeah, I'm not
1: going to be on this show anymore. And
0: misery and disease, all them Italians. You know, it's not like he said that. It, it was a dumb comment. It lacked class. But it's like the first time he's ever said anything that remotely approached that. I don't know. Rob, what's your response to that?
1: Well, I mean, look, to me, if you're going to deprive yourself of the art- artistry of lots and lots of people, that's a choice that you have to make for yourself. And I can understand that. But I also think that one man's comment about Marvel movies or whatever, people are jumping on the bandwagon. And uh, it, 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 while I hate that, I love the MCU. People call John, people call us Marvel shills because we love the MCU movies. And I've said, you know, the thing about the MCU movies is they're adaptations of Marvel comic books and they're grand and they're well done and they're beautifully constructed, made and people put so much time and effort in them. And they are exactly what they're supposed to be. And I get it that they're taking up a lot of of Hollywood bandwidth and they're making a lot of money and people love them. But. The fact that Denis Villeneuve got to remake or actually do a new adaptation of a 1965 science fiction novel that is very dense and heady and all that, we should celebrate that. For him to – I don't know why he said something about Marvel because what does one thing have to do with the other? I mean, I understand that a lot of bandwidth is taken up. We've got – we still have – John, we still have two more Marvel movies to go – this year, by mean, the way, by a bunch Sony. of people
0: in Dune are in the MCU. By right, the way, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And and so what's wrong with grand entertainment? And I'm like, okay, so I get it that people are like, well, we're not gonna get the next Sophie's choice because there's so many Marvel movies. I get that. I understand that sentiment, but it shouldn't affect your enjoyment of the world around you. Who cares what Denis Villeneuve said? If you like his work, go see his work. Why deprive yourself of awesomeness? If you're going to stand on ceremony, your five or 10 or 20 bucks is not going to matter. Now people say, well, Rob, what about a revolution? What if everyone didn't go? And I'm like, well, don't have a revolution over a director's comments, have a revolution over something that affects more people like world hunger don't stand on ceremony. Dune's going to rule, especially in IMAX.
0: Yeah. And, and again, I, I, I just <laughs> think it's it. as dumb as what Denise said. I think we all acknowledge he didn't, I don't, I don't think anybody believes he meant it to come across as badly as it came across. It's still a stupid yeah. comment. He shouldn't have said it. I was, I was disheartened as a fellow Canadian cause he's a good Canadian kid. So I was really disheartened by it, but, I mean, let, I,
1: I don't think we He's should... He's a good up. French-Canadian kid.
0: They, they are not distinct. He is a Canadian. There's no <laughs> such thing. All right. Anyway, let's move on here. Next up, Capri also writes, if I may ask, can you put on your versus hat and indulge this one? Theoretical fight and and small question. Uh, MCU Spider-Man versus Carnage. Who wins this? Again, the answer to those questions is always it depends on who's writing it. Is the MCU Spider-Man write, uh, writers writing it or is the you know, Venom Carnage universe writer writing it. That will determine it. If it's me, Spider-Man always wins. Yeah. I I mean, unless it's against, you know, Batman or something. But uh, Spider-Man against any of the Spider-Man. Spider-Man,
1: by the way, beats Batman.
0: Oh, Spider-Man doesn't beat Batman. Yeah, he does. Nothing short of Jesus beats Batman. And if if, if Batman beats Superman, I mean, come
1: on. You know what? Someone's already started that fan art.
0: You know, Yeah, you do. You know that one's coming. All right. Next up, Capri Grant also writes, "Uh, History Channel pitched you that classic movie road trip show, huh? I'm not. I can neither confirm or deny that 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 was the network. Uh, LOL. It sounds like the other projects. As for my question, if the Oscars were held tomorrow, do you think Shang-Chi gets one of the Best Picture nominee slots like Black Panther? First of all, do I believe Shang-Chi is going to get a Best Picture nomination? No. Nope. If the Oscars were held tomorrow, as you're asking, yeah. I I think if the Oscars were held tomorrow and there are up to 10 slots available for Best Picture nominees, yeah, I think. I think if we were here tomorrow, Shang-Chi would probably get a Best Picture nomination. I don't think it will when they happen when it's supposed to happen, and I probably wouldn't give it a nomination myself either. But if it was tomorrow, probably, yeah. Rob, if the Oscars were tomorrow, do you think Shang-Chi gets a Best Picture nomination?
1: It might, absolutely. You know, I'll tell you who's going to win Best Director at the Oscars this year, though. Who's that? Our man Steven Spielberg. Uh, He's going to win. Man, He's you gotta, win.
0: you got a lot of eggs in this West Side Story basket, don't you?
1: He's going to win best director.
0: He's the best director. He's the best filmmaker of all time, in my opinion. So I hope you're right. I still don't personally have a lot of faith in West Side Story, but I totally should. But I don't know why I don't.
1: You know, when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way from your first cigarette (laughs) to your last dying day, John.
0: Okay. anyway, next up, Uh, for those, you know, West Side Story, you know what I just did. Uh, Diego writes, John. Is it possible to invite Greg Alba to do the Venom spoiler discussion? I think you guys could evoke a pretty interesting discussion on the movie. Oh, listen, it's funny because Greg and I, I, I was just texting with Greg the other day, as a matter of fact. Um, but no, I would I love not. that guy. I love Greg, too. Uh, Ann and I joke that he is our son from the future because he's half Italian, half Filipino. <laughs> <laughs> and so we joke that he is a time, He's our time traveling son from the future. And he's come That's back to Doctor see us. very Doctor Who
1: of you, John.
0: Um, it, it is. So, um, but I will absolutely not have Greg on the spoiler discussion for the same reason that I don't even do them with Rob anymore, which is basically this. Uh, those spoiler discussion videos are very, very popular and a lot of people writing questions. And even when it's just me trying to answer them, those spoiler discussions can go four to five to six hours long. And then even then still have one or two or three companion videos that need to be done on top of that. And that's why I stopped doing the spoiler discussions with somebody else, because if it's with somebody else, that just doubles the amount of time you need.
1: Oh to- dude, if we did it, I would JPEG you. I'd be like, where's my <laughs> money. Give me my money.
0: <laughs> um, I mean, it's just, so, for that reason, uh, you will see Greg Alba on this show again soon. By the way, but no, I probably will not have Greg or anybody probably joining me for the uh, for the Venom spoiler discussion because it would just He's a great guy, t- though. He's he a awesome. to
1: Stream with he-
0: he's awesome. He's a, he's a totally great guy. We love him. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Wynn Joiner writes. John and Rob just wanted to thank you for offering a daily respite from the a respite from the uh, from such a divisive social environment. Where opposing opinions are welcome, and where no one is uh, degenerated or uh, uh, denigrated, I should say, for yeah. deviating from orthodoxy. Even if we disagree at times, I'm a fan for life. Yeah, I mean, well, thanks a lot, Wynn, and I'm I'm glad that you find this place for that because you know if if you just watch this show. You know, Rob and I disagree quite a bit. <laughs>
1: we, we, well, I, but let's be clear: I'm the one that's always right.
0: Well, I mean that goes without saying. <laughs> but I mean, we we disagree all the time. You do. I mean, that's the thing. It's it's all it's. But that's the thing. The the fun is that's where the fun is is when you disagree. As long as you guys all understand that, hey, it's just our own opinions about movies, and we're talking about things we love, and so you know we can talk about whether or not this guy should be paid this or that guy should be paid that we can talk about whether we do or do not like modern star Trek. We can talk about whether or not this thing in bond was a good idea or a bad idea. And we can have those discussions and have fun doing it, you know, because you never get, you know, Rob and I, you know, disintegrating the conversations and it thinks like, well, you're just a fucking idiot. If you think, you know, it just, as long as you don't do that, these conversations would be fun. I don't know, Rob, how do you respond to
1: that? I, well, I agree with you. I mean, like if you and I were in lockstep with one another all the time, why would anybody watch this show? <laughs> I mean, the whole point is you have, we, we have two different points of view that we can discuss. Like I admire you. I've said to other people, I I've always admired your business acumen and I've learned from you and, and, and we have a mutual respect. I'd like to think, and I mean, you might think I'm a douchebag but I don't know you you make it seem like you like me so we have a, a, I think a great dynamic where we prove that we, we're supposed to have different points of view that's what life is all about
0: uh, yeah and uh, that's why we have fun here doing it All right, We uh, oh, have a great time thanks for that win appreciate that man that was very kind of you alright Joel writes hey John have you seen the video by Vanity Fair where the director of Shang-Chi breaks down how he filmed the bus scene I freaking love that scene so much Uh, It's pretty awesome. Longtime fan of the show. Keep up the great work and have a good day. Thank you for that, Joel. You know what? I've seen that video has come up in my recommendation list a lot. So I've seen the video is there, but I haven't watched it yet. And I will because I love that scene. It's tremendous. Rob, have you seen that that video yet by Vanity Fair on the making of the bus scene yet?
1: I. Yes, actually, I did see that video. Uh, It's great. And and um And if you wonder about the craft when people are, oh, Marvel, whatever, it's no, it's great. And that's why, because so much care and effort is put into creating those kinds of scenes.
0: All right, next up, we've got Alex's Movie Corner, who writes, Hey, John, I just got back from seeing No Time to Die, and it was awesome. A perfect send-off to the Daniel Craig iteration of the character. The action was intense, and the story was engaging. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. P.S., bring your tissues. I'm very excited for it. I mean, it's, it's ranked up near the top of my most anticipated film of the year list for a while. Uh, it's right up there. Very excited to see it. Next week can't get here soon enough for me, man. I'm very excited to watch it. Thanks for sharing your recommendation of it, Alex. All right, McDavid deserves better, writes. In my opinion, Sopranos is the highest art ever put to screen. It's a rich tapestry of symbolism and subtlety. Gandolfini gave the best performance I've seen in any medium. So glad I binged it during COVID. I was as I was only six in 1999. Many saints can't come soon enough. You know, Robert. It's. I mean, I don't personally have Sopranos like in my top 3 favorite TV shows of all time. I don't right. personally rank it that high, but listen, for it was before Game of Thrones, I believe it was like the standard bearer for like the most decorated television show of all time. It won more awards than anything else. And it is it was pretty much a lot of people define it as maybe even the most important television series of all time. Because it was really that while we had other shows like The Wire that a lot of TV files maybe consider the best television show of all time, um, it was Sopranos that really kind of planted the flag way early that the power in television was going to shift away from the major networks and it was going to go to something else because the most talked about, the most important show for a lot of years was this show that was on HBO and, you know, every once in a while, I'll still go back on YouTube and look up like important scenes and important clips and and stuff like that. And sure. I am very excited for Many Saints New work. So uh, I don't know, Rob, what's your thoughts on Sopranos there?
1: Well, I, I, you know, I, I did love the Sopranos. I think the uh, I think the first season of Sopranos with Livia, you know, his mother was peak Sopranos. The rest of it's good. But I think that that again, they, they made that show. They didn't know whether it was going to go beyond one season. I think the first season of Sopranos is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Um, as it went along, it became really, really good, but it never reached the heights of season one.
0: I kind of thought Be- season three was the best one. Season three was yeah. my personal favorite, but that's, that's a great thing too about that show. It's like a lot of people have very, we'll have different answers to what was their favorite season. Oh yeah,
1: that's for sure.
0: All right, let's move on here. Jackson writes, I am in Australia and our release dates are all over the place. Bond on the 11th of November, Venom, the 25th of November, Dune, the 2nd of December. An awesome lineup, but I personally cannot avoid spoilers for over a month, almost two months for Venom. Yeah, we talked about this on a companion video yesterday, where right now as a result of the pandemic and everybody's still trying to figure out finding slots to put movies in, different movies open in different places, People in North America and people in some other countries like the UK are now experiencing what other people in smaller countries have been experiencing for decades. We've never complained about the fact that we get our movies first and then some other countries get it a month, two months later. That's never been an issue to us. But now it's an issue to us because now, like, we're getting the movie, we're getting No Time to Die later than they're getting it in other countries. We're getting Dune. Rob, Dune's already playing in a bunch of countries.
1: Dude, it's I know it's killing me. Right? Killing me.
0: So now we're just getting a little taste of what a lot of other countries have had to deal with for decades, right? And now it's a big, bad thing. And I get it. But you know what? It's, it is, it is going to make it tough, particularly for, for projects like Venom. Or, no time to die, and things like that. It is going to be tough to avoid spoilers. It is what it is. I mean, and like I said, there have been a lot of other movie fans, our fellow film loving brothers and sisters in smaller countries and other countries that have always had to deal with this that movies come to them a week, three weeks, six weeks, seven weeks after we already got it and everybody's already talking about it online. And now we're getting a little bit of a taste of it. And it's unfortunate, but you know, we'll survive. We'll survive, Jackson. Hang in there, dude. All right, next up. Dave the Rave writes, one of two. I just saw Venom. Really fun. Not awesome. A uh, lot of the same. Post credit scene craziness in my theater. Forgot. Love you. Uh, love your show, Rob, Aaron, and Kimberly. Aces in my books. So before the show, Regal said they are doing unlimited. Uh, for, sorry, phone issue, unlimited for 90 days now instead of 12-month minimum, signed up and are excited to continue the plethora of wonderful movies at the theater till January 1st. Thanks, buddy, for getting me through the past two years of recovery from bad injuries. Oh, thanks so much for that, Dave the Rafe. And I didn't hear about that because, Rob, if I remember correctly, one of the big differences between Regal's unlimited plan, which is Mm -hmm. great, and AMCA list, which I still think is the best one out there, is that with Regal... I believe you had to sign up for a minimum of 12 months. Uh. Whereas with AMC. You could just cancel at any time, but I guess Regal is lowering that to 90 days or three months. I, I personally don't even have a problem with them asking for a 12 month commitment because you're getting a lot of value. If you go to more than one movie a month, you're getting a lot of value out of that. But if they're lowering it to 90 days, that's, that's pretty good. I, I don't know, Rob, do you, right now have any movie club membership to like either a regal or AMC a-list or anything like that?
1: I do not. Uh, Oh, I don't don't have have an AMC
0: right close to you. Do you?
1: Well, now we do because the AMC took over the Americana is, is close to us. So I'm thinking about doing it. Like, why not? All right.
0: Why Not, uh, I, by the way, I just went to go see venom. I went to go see venom for the first time at a press screening at the AMC in the grove. That, of course, the theater at the Grove in Beverly Hills used to be what was it? Landmark? I think it was. I think it was landmark. Maybe it was something else. But the, there was a movie theater in the Grove at Beverly Hills, and
1: oh, that, it, no, that was Pacific Theater.
0: Pacific Theater's right. So, um, I've gone to press screenings there before in Beverly Hills, but now it's AMC. So it was pretty weird yep. walking into that theater and seeing the AMC branding all over the place. Was
1: it nice? I mean, I forgot to ask you about that. Oh, well, how, that how?
0: I mean, that, it, it's just the same. It's exactly the same, just with different branding on it. That is a wonderful theater, and I yeah, actually, I is. shot, I actually shot some footage of it during my um, for my Venom Quick Out of the Theater review. So you should go check it out because it looks. It's it's really beautiful. It's really, really nice. The seats are comfortable. Not a bad seat in the house. It's a very, very good theater. I like it a lot. It's just, it's a pain in the ass getting to Beverly Hills. That's that's the yeah. only reason I don't go there more. All right. Uh, next up, Safety C writes, Hey, John, I don't have much friends. Therefore, most of the time, I don't have anyone to go with me to the theaters. I'm a bit worried about what others think about me if I go alone. What are your thoughts on going to the movies by yourself? Oh, listen, I've been asked this question a lot, safety, especially with the fact that you know, I I live in the L.A. area. Like, I live about an hour outside of it now, but for the most part, I, I live in the L.A. area. I've lived in the L.A. area for a lot of time, but you know, my friends and family are are in Canada, so especially when I for the first few years that I lived here, if I want to go to the movies and Anne's not free to go with me, well, I guess what? I'm going to by myself. But guess what? Even when I was in Canada, hell yes, I go to the movies by myself if I want to. If there's a movie out I feel like seeing, eh, nobody's around to go with me. Okay, I, ju- I just go. I, I don't, nobody, I, I, I don't, first of all, nobody's actually looking at you if you're alone in the theater, unless you know you're a grown ass man going to a, my little pony movie filled with children in the theater. And you're sitting there by yourself going, ah, yeah, yeah. Maybe then people are going to look at you a little bit strange. Maybe then you're a bit of a weirdo, but I mean, I have number one, never had anybody looking at me weird just because I'm, I'm there to enjoy a movie and I don't happen to be there with anybody else. But number two, if anybody did look at me like that, fuck them, who cares? I'm there to watch a movie. I had some free time. I felt like instead of sitting down and watching Sports Center, I could go over to the movie theaters and check out an enjoyable movie, have some popcorn and a soda, enjoy myself. And if I did that, so I have, Rob, I don't know about you, but I uh, when I lived close to the AMC Burbank 16, because I lived in Burbank for a bunch of years until Ann and I moved out here, but that theater was only about a 12-minute walk away, there were many days where I was like, hey, cool, I got about a three-hour window right now. What's playing at the AMC? And I would just... Put on my shoes, walk down the street, go to the AMC, enjoy a movie, go home. I have no problem with it. What about you? Do you go, have you do you ever go to the movies by yourself?
1: Dude, I love going to the movies by myself. I mean, it 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 for me, it's a spiritual experience. <laughs> I don't have to worry about, I can't help it. When I see a movie with someone, I want them to enjoy it. And I'm always thinking about what they're thinking. But when I go to a movie by myself, like I'll, I'll never forget, I went and saw Blade Runner 2049 at the Chinese. On a Tuesday afternoon, and no one Elizabeth couldn't go with me, and there's probably like five of us in the theater because it was an, or like an eleven o'clock show or something, dude. I felt like I was seeing God. The soundtrack <laughs> it was so it was so loud. the The digital projection and Blade Runner twenty forty nine has one of the greatest sound mixes ever, and I I felt like my whole body was was reverberating with the bass, and I'm I'm. I don't think I was probably weeping at one point just because it was such an amazing experience. And I liked the movie, too. But I wouldn't have wanted anyone sitting next to me (laughs) (laughs) because I'm like, I'm in a state of rapture. You know, I don't I don't want anyone to know that I'm one step away from orgasming, sitting in a theater by myself with the sound mix and watching the gigantic laser projection screen. It's something only I could experience by myself. I love going to the movie theaters by myself. I love it. Love Uh, it.
0: All right. Next up, we got Safety C also writes, Hey, John, I just want to say I appreciate your video clips uh, of the highlights of the main topics after the main show. Yeah, we like doing those. Thanks, man. I also appreciate the podcast version as well. They help me tune in when I don't have much time. Uh, We all busy people, and that helps. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Safety C. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course, we do segment out our individual main topics and put them up on the channel as well, as well as having the audio-only podcast there as well. So thank you for checking those out and supporting those, Safety C. Appreciate that. All right, next up, Crashing Coyote writes, Venom 2 is great because it knows what it is and it goes for it. It's fun and full of carnage. Uh, for most part, he's ripped right out of the comics. Great action and acting. Andy Serkis's drawings, I mean directing, was great. I was sure Steve Graham uh, was playing You Know Who. I, I'm not going to go into that at all. By the way, I love seeing Steve Graham in there because uh, you don't see a lot of him but he you know, was Tommy from Snatch, one of my favorite movies. You know, he's the one. Protection from who? Sid the Germans. No, that was him talking to Tommy. Um, so I like seeing that. I, again, I had a great time with it, man. Like I said, the movie is not for everybody. You know, Rob, the way I described it is this. If you watch the first movie and the nature of Venom's personality and the dynamic between Venom and Eddie doesn't yeah. work for you, then this movie's not going to work for you because they kind of doubled down on that personality and on that dynamic. But if you're somebody like me that you found that delightful and entertaining and fun, I think you're really going to have a good time with this. So again, not for everybody, but for me, I had a blast. I'm really looking forward to you watching it so I can talk to you about it.
1: More. I can't wait.
0: Um, all right, next up. We go to Capri Grant, who writes, I'm glad Disney and ScarJo settled and could hopefully move past this. I hope, as you said, this was a lesson learned for Bob Chapek. It's still mind-boggling how he stepped in this crap after Warner Brothers was raked over the coals. How big of a win does Disney need right now? Well, I mean, honestly, as big of a botch as this whole thing was with Scarlett Johansson, the fact of the matter is, they did what they needed to do to correct it. And I think they have corrected it. Like I think by number one, settling with Scarlett Johansson sends the right message. It says, Hey, we wronged Scarlett. We're going to make good. Number two, I think the sheer amount of money they gave Scarlett, plus it looks like more, more projects that she gets to have kind of also says a mention, sends a message that, Hey, we handled this wrong. We're going to make it right. Yep. Um, now, whether or not that's how it actually went down, we'll see, but that's the message it sends. Like the, <laughs> they gave her more than $40 million, according to deadline. And according to statements from Scarlett Johansson and Disney, now they have all of a sudden, magically, they have a whole bunch of other projects planned together. Woo. I wonder how well, that
1: happened. <laughs> it's, it's a lesson that everyone, all the lessons in life, John can be learned from a Godfather. And the answer to this is, it's not personal.
0: It's business. It's business. And Scarlett Johansson showed she was willing to go to the mattresses. And Disney didn't want to sleep with the fishes. We could go on all day with The Godfather. (laughs) Nicely done, sir. (laughs) Nicely done. All day with that. All right, thanks for that, Capri. All right. Uh, Mostly Me writes... Hey, John, I just saw Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And honestly, having liked the first one, I really like this one. I can't wait for the spoiler talk. There's so much to discuss. Hey, there is a lot to talk about, Mostly Me. And just a reminder to everybody, since you brought it up, Mostly Me, thank you for bringing it up, that our open spoiler discussion for Venom, Let There Be Carnage, normally those spoiler discussions are on Sundays. However... I am, after the show is done, I am leaving for Las Vegas to go to the World Series of Poker. I I participate in the World Series of Poker every year. I'll do a video vlog. I'll do a vlog from out there. I'll put up some videos while I'm out there uh, of it. So I won't be back in time to do one on Sunday. So our Venom Let There Be Carnage open spoiler discussion will be on Monday evening. So keep your guys open uh, for that Monday evening. So you guys have an extra day to make sure you get a chance to go see Venom first. All right, thanks for that, mostly me. Next up, uh, Robert Charles Mitchell writes, I just saw Venom 2, and I was underwhelmed. To me, it didn't feel like let there be carnage, more so let there be insinuated carnage. <laughs> I, think, I think this film could have used at least 10 minutes more in an R rating. The post-credits scene redeemed the film a bit. I see, I disagree about the R rating. This movie didn't need an R rating. It didn't need it. I think, listen, I'm, without getting any spoilers away, there is a lot of murder in this movie. There is just straight up a lot of murder. There are many That's characters. That's the of the year. That should be on the poster. There's a lot of murder. There are many characters who are alive and well and breathing at the beginning of the movie who are no longer that way. By the end of the movie. That's all I'm going to say. See, I I personally didn't feel like it needed an R rating. I really don't think it did. But but that's just me. But again, Robert, you just pointed out the fact, uh, Robert Charles, I should say, that like I've been saying, this movie isn't for everybody. It's not. I mean, I think there are some people who are going to go into this with the best of intentions to want to have some fun, and it just won't work for them. And it didn't work for you? Not surprised. Not surprised. And there's nothing wrong with that. Thanks for sharing your perspective on it, Robert. I appreciate that. All right, let's do one more while we've got Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett here. Uh, Film Love and Bro writes, hypothetical question. Oh, this is a good one to end with you, Rob. If Tongo Shalom wins <laughs> Best Picture... Does that mean Rob, as a producer of the film, gets to go on stage to accept the Oscar, inquiring minds want to know? Rob, this is actually a great question because- Good question. Because Um, there's no more misunderstood title in movies than producer, because you can have a movie where literally 18 different people will have the word producer, whether it's co-producer, associate producer, executive producer, producer, and a lot of people don't even know what it means. So uh, how would you address this question as one well, of the producers on Tego Shalom?
1: I would say this. Uh, I was not there when this project was conceived. While I did work on it and put my blood, sweat and tears on, in it, into it for five years, five now plus years. I would say that I think they only allow three producers now to come on stage. I wouldn't even if they wanted me to do it, I would say, you know what? It's not. It, it, it has to be the people that conceived of the project, so I think Gabe Bologna uh, and the Laniato uh, brothers, uh, Joseph and Claudio, should be the three people on stage. Now, I'll take my Oscar, you know, <laughs> but, but I I I uh, I wouldn't be on stage. As a matter of fact, it would not be proper if I was. Believe it or not,
0: yeah. And it, and again, like a lot of five different people can have the term producer. But yeah. but maybe only one or two or three are really the producer. And, and by- I, mean,
1: I would say that I definitely earned my producing credit because I busted oh, absolutely my behind and you really and, did. You know, I, I wasn't just a producer, the editor. I was the post uh, supervisor. I was the effects supervisor. And I did so much on this film while everyone else was sleeping. Right. You know, there were times there were there was almost a year where I was the only person working on the film with director Gabe Bologna. So, um, yeah, but, but if, if there's only three of us on stage, I wouldn't be one of those three.
0: Uh, and, and because normally what, when it comes down to it amongst all the producers, there's usually one or two, maybe three people who the, these are really the people in charge yeah. of the movie. Yep. These are the ones who are responsible for bringing this project to fruition, to bring it to life, getting the others on board, connecting the director to it, all that kind of stuff. And then there's a lot of other people who do the work of a producer, but they they may not be the producer. And I like the way you defined it, Rob. That made a lot of sense. Um, and you have worked a lot of years on this, almost yeah. as long as I've known you. You've been working yeah. on this movie.
1: No, it's but, true. It's true. I mean – uh, it was only I, I, I met you just about a year before I started working on this film, and it's been five years since then. So you're right,
0: uh, Rob. Thanks for being around the show so much this week. I hope you've had a good week and I hope you have a great weekend while I go off to Vegas. But in the meantime, Rob, where can people follow you and all your goodness online?
1: Oh, I'm going to come to Vegas and stand behind you watching you play, because if you make millions of dollars, I want some of that. <laughs> Scratch. No, uh, where you can find me on twitter at burnett rm find me on instagram at robert meyer burnett or come on to my own youtube channel the burnett work
0: all right rob have a good one dude and i'll talk to you again next week
1: good luck break a leg i don't know what they say in poker uh, go I'll win some big money, John. I'll,
0: I'll take it. All right, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and the only, the great Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Uh, and you know what, guys? Uh, we're only going to take one more question because, like I said, I do have to start getting myself ready to go. We probably should have ended there, but we'll take one more question before we wrap this thing up. Uh, Arne Asada writes... Venom 2 might have a really big opening weekend. Using the movie theater parking lot as a barometer, it was packed, almost double what I recall seeing during Shang-Chi. Well, listen, man, like we were talking about a little bit earlier, Arnie, I mean, it had, I'm still trying to wrap my heads around, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this. It had more people go see it on its opening night than went to go see Shang-Chi opening night. Now, it may or may not. By the time The weekend is done, have the number Shang-Chi did as an opening weekend. Shang-Chi made $75 million opening weekend. But if if this movie breaks that, it's going to be a huge surprise to me. A, a welcome surprise, a very happy surprise, but a surprise nonetheless. Because I thought max, max, that Venom would make opening weekend with $60 million, And I thought that would be pretty good. But if it's making more than Shang-Chi on its opening night, and I agree with you, Arnie, your parking lot was packed. My theater was packed last night. I went to see it a second time last night, Ann and I, and some friends, uh, Ryan and Hong and uh, Tommy, we we went to go see it. And the theater was really full, (laughs) like really full. And so, I, I don't know, it could do really well. It could do really well. All right, guys, listen, that'll do it. For today's installment of The John Campion Show, listen, there are still just a handful of questions to go from guys like Kane, uh, Sean Austin, Dr. Nova, Luis R., and a couple of others. Uh, do not worry, guys. We will pick right up. There's not going to be any companion videos uh, this weekend. Again, I'm going to be in Vegas at the World Series of Poker, unfortunately. But we will pick up right where we left off on on the next episode of The John Campia Show. So if you sent in a question it didn't get answered yet, hang tight. It's coming up on the next installment of the show. So thank you, guys for being here thank you to Robert Meyer Burnett for bringing his glory and goodness to the show and a very special thank you to all you guys by the way I forgot to call it out during the show, but we had some super chat badges sent into the live chat while we were doing the show. I just want to give a quick shout out to the people who sent those in. Uh, Luis Riaz. Thank you so much. Marie Seafring sent one in. Thank you, Marie. Ben Rayner sent one in Adam Muhammad sent one in guys. Thank you so much for sending those into the, uh, to the live chat. I really appreciate that. And a special thank you to all of you guys who sent in the live comments and questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved here at the John Campia Show, thank you guys so much for your support. Okay, guys, don't forget do the four main things stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me, guys. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye bye.